Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, your host for the next couple of hours. Joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we are, apologies that we are pre-recorded this morning. We had a couple of year end school end of year related um, kid related commitment so we appreciate your understanding in that regard um, so i apologize we can't take callers this morning um, but i hope i believe we'll be live the following week um, so no worries hold your questions just for seven more days uh, you can always email us with questions that's true um, so this morning we are going to talk about, uh, we're going to give a little retirement boot camp. Um, we haven't done a show exactly like this in the past. Uh, we talk, we certainly talk about retirement planning quite a bit, um, which is the, the uh, biggest value that we provide for our clients in terms of helping them plan and execute um, a successful retirement, financially speaking. And um, we certainly talk about that a lot on the show and, and how people can be prepared for that. Um, but we wanted to do it, I don't know, boot camp style. I think uh, our coworker, Mary Beth, who helps us coordinate our radio show schedule, um, came up with that. Maybe where she was. Well, the official title of. is Retirement Boot Camp Get in Shape ah, for okay. Retirement. <laughs> Kirk and That's I, the official uh, you know, definitely yeah, cute title. Yeah. running a parallel between that and physical fitness. Um, so, physical and financial fitness. 
although we're not going to much talk about physical fitness this morning because not. we're not experts in that regard, though we strive to be the best in the best shape we can be. Um, so we, I um, sort of broke this down into four sections. We, we try to do the show in four sections. Um, so we're going to talk about making the plan, the retirement plan. We're going to talk about implementing the plan, I guess identifying steps and, and taking steps to implement the plan. And then we're going to talk about stress testing the plan, the variety of, um, you can come at that at a variety of angles, which we'll talk about. And then I um, wanted to talk about monitoring the plan. This is like straight out of CFP school, right? Kirk and I are both certified financial planner professionals. And we had to, um, you know, to, uh, take several classes in order to achieve that designation. But the very first class is like, I forget what it was called, Introduction to Financial Planning or something. Right, but the, yeah, and those are the steps. Yeah, you got to make the plan, you got to yeah. implement, and then you got to, you know, keep on track, top of it. That's right. Um, yeah, so actually, th I feel like there were six or seven steps, but it there would, were, but it would were, take me a minute to, yeah. maybe the first one would these be data, data ones, gather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we sort of were condensing it um, for this morning. So. Um, all right, let's talk about um, making the plan. And there's a lot of ways, um, you know, to approach that. I mean, everyone's plan is different. Everyone approaches it differently. Everyone has different goals. Um, and I think the way that I, well, the way that I approach that with my clients is just having like a casual conversation about what is your plan? What do you envision? You know, so a, a lot of people that we meet with, they could be in their 50s or even 60s and they just haven't really sat down or had a discussion with their spouse if they're married about well what it, what is what do we envision this retirement to look like what are we going to do what you know are we going to travel are we going to play more golf or are we going to see the grandkids like i think people and, and sometimes they they're answering that question for the first time yeah. in front of each other when we ask them and yeah. so, and sometimes it's a surprise to the other person what one person expects. Yeah, that's true. And it's, you know, obviously, I don't feel that it's our role to, you know, um, it's our role to ask those questions and, and have people, um, you know, start thinking about it and having conversations with their spouse if they're married and their, you know, or their family members. And, um, you know, certainly not our position to, to judge, of course, never any judgment on our side of the table. And, and we, you know, we just help people plan around the lives that they envision. So if if you are approaching retirement, which, you know, I would guess is in probably mid 50s and later, um, then, you know, maybe start at least thinking about it or talking about it with your spouse regarding what do you envision? You know, sometimes there's one spouse that wants to move to Florida or a warmer place and the other one doesn't or, you know, someone uh -oh. wants to, you know, someone wants to travel like a, us, a lot yeah. and that's that's right. I cer certainly envision spending time in a warmer climate and Kirk hates the heat. So we're not sure how we're going to approach that either. But, um, you know, I've, I've also worked with people where one one member of the couple loves to travel and the other one doesn't. But, you know, they work it out and, and she travels with her friends and he stays home with the dogs. And, you know, so <laughs> so, um, you know, it, as long as you're, you know, starting to develop a plan in your mind, that helps you develop your financial plan because as advisors, we can't, um, we can't develop a financial plan without knowing what someone's goals are because most people's goals and hobbies and, and how they define their life um, co cost money. 
or some or sometimes they earn the money some you know there might be someone who wants to retire but they know they don't really want to stop working maybe they just want a career change or they want to slow down and and sometimes that translates to income and and not necessarily expenditures many however many people's plans for retirement certainly involve more more spending or at least spending at the same level that they're spending now albeit if debt is you know paid off but oftentimes involves more spending I yeah. just I talked to somebody just the other day who said you know he was about to retire and I said well what are you gonna do with your time and he yeah. said he his tentative plan was maybe to go like drive like the senior center bus um, oh. you know so it was kind of like just I, something to do something to do I think maybe there was a little bit of income but it was kind of yeah. like you know something good like so, yeah, yeah something kind of good to do maybe get a little money out of it yeah um, I think that's a great you know a great kind of a something to do is to spend your time and Absolutely. you got to find something like that something that you want to do that kind of gives you you know purpose and you know just kind of pleasure yeah and pleasure. enjoy, enjoy yeah. your retirement years. yeah I feel like you're doing something something good all right so here are just a f I guess a few things to think about based on our experience um, number one think about what your hobbies are what you enjoy doing what you envision doing in retirement just for many people that is traveling um, golfing for some people it's gardening that might not necessarily translate to an expense but um, a lot of for some people it's reading you know s same thing although I do have one client who put a who put a reading expenditures as a line item on his budget worksheet yeah. that's the first person ever that had uh, had that um, it just reads a lot and prefers to either download or or purchase them you okay. know versus versus yeah. going to the library probably every day um, so you know think about what you enjoy spending your time what you envision doing and and will help you assign or you know assign cost to that or we can help assign cost that or your advisor can help with that Go ahead. um i was just going to say you know you know i guess you know we're talking about boot camp so i guess today we're kind of talking about people that are getting closer yeah uh, but i just wanted to say you know it's it's really never too early to start a plan you know to, to yeah. you know because Unfortunately, a lot of people get into the, you know, if they wait too long, you know, then maybe, you know, maybe they are and, you know. They wish they had done things differently. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, I, yeah, so I guess I guess today we are talking about the people that are maybe getting closer and that's what we're kind of talking about. But, you know, it certainly pays to, to start early, you know, when you're in your, you know, even in your, you know, late 20s, um, mm -hmm. you know, start making sure you're on track and doing the right things and, you know, building good habits. Absolutely. Um, so back under the heading of you know what to be thinking about when you're trying to make your financial plan um, obviously hobbies but also as we touched on a little bit ago um, whether or not you're going to work I find that a lot of people that I talk with would like to work in some capacity like you were just mentioning your client who wants to drive the senior center bus um, a lot of people want to do something because they envision being bored if they don't. You know, you've worked your whole lives and a lot of people love what they do and they don't really envision stopping. Um, just help your advisor um, assign some numbers to that because it's really hard, you know, for me, for example, you know, someone might be, um, well, for example, with someone who's a nurse and they're working, um, you know, four days a week as a nurse and they're going to cut back to one day a, a week and work per diem. Maybe that's kind of easy to assign a number to because you could probably just um, cut the cut the income down by three quarters and because it's one day versus four. But other types of things like, you know, someone who's an IT professional and they want to consult in retirement and they want to work 10 hours a week. I would have a really hard time assigning an income number to that, not knowing... Um, 
you know, what an hourly rate for that type of consultant would be. So the more, the more helpful that you can be in that regard, the better. Um, and actually, a lot of times I feel like people don't really know. And yeah. maybe it takes a little bit of research it, to figure it out. It probably does take some research. Yeah. Or maybe talk, you know, maybe actually having a conversation with their HR person if that's something they're willing to do. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, in order to make, really make a good plan, yeah. you know, the more accurate numbers we have, the better, the better it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, and what, what we would normally do in these situations where someone envisions working but they're not really sure what they're going to do is we really lowball. Any income assumptions we would either ignore or just really lowball. Like if you think, Oh yeah, I could probably make forty or fifty grand a year. Well, let's call it twenty because we're not sure, and you haven't done this yet. Um, and also, that gives you some time if you are going to be doing consulting to build up a little a book of business. So, um, just be very, very conservative with those assumptions because I'll tell you from experience that sometimes someone envisions working in retirement, and then they kind of find that they don't. They kind of enjoy not working, and maybe plans change. Um, so be very, very conservative with those assumptions, if not ignore them. And maybe it makes sense to create a plan ignoring income from work and, and make sure that's successful just in case things don't work out as mm -hmm. planned or just in case you decide that you kind of love not working and you like your free time. Um, so maybe develop a plan ignoring any part-time work and anything that you do for work is is a bonus or it's you know extra spending money or it's gifting money or it's um, or it's just something that you do because you want to do it right. um, also when you're defining your um, retirement goals or you're starting to think about it anyway real estate is a huge variable so and by that I mean well many people um, you know the, the traditional downsize in retirement from the large family home to a smaller home that still happens sometimes, maybe not all the time. <laughs> I don't I've think certainly we've seen it seen too, too it many times. Too, I've certainly seen it happen. Um, you know, we've had discussions on the show. I've had discussions on the show with real estate professionals. You know, regarding sort of the lack of a, almost like the lack of ability in New England to execute that downsize, um, because you know there. There doesn't seem to be, you know, many people might want to go to a condo, for example, or, or a smaller one-level home, but they want it to be new construction or newly renovated. and Something um, they're hopefully never going to have to exactly, update Exactly, kind of repair. sick of updating, you know, sick of being a homeowner and, and kind of don't want to do that anymore. And it just seems to be in this area of the world, based on experience and also from conversations with real estate professionals, that there's just not a lot of other options. There's just not a lot of op. There's not, like a lot of new construction, single level homes in this area. And I guess it has to do with the fact that land is a, more expensive here than it is in like North Carolina and, mm -hmm. and even fl many parts of Florida. Um, and, and so there's something to that, that the, that the traditional downsize doesn't exactly pan out for people, though from it a, certainly can. From a financial can. point of view. From a financial, yeah, that's yeah, true, people that's go true. To, People go to that's a true. smaller house, but it, but it costs, you know, just as much as their the house they're selling that's in a lot true. of cases. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, I've never, I'm not a real estate person, but, um, you know, I often wonder if because of there's so many people in this generation that are retiring, you know, the, the baby boomers, that yep. if there's just so many of them and they're all looking for that same type yeah. of property, that that's, you know, that's affecting that, you know, that price. Could be too much, too much demand right. driving prices up. I mean, it seems like the condos that I can, or that I've looked at, you know, priced out in the area, it even seems like condos in this area are not all that much expensive. less expensive than a four-bedroom colonial. Like if you think about the condos down in the 
Situate Harbor, for example, or in the Hingham Shipyard. I mean, yeah. of course, those, these are waterfront condos, but um, you know, there are some there are some high-priced single, you know, co condos in this area, and and so you might not necessarily bank on taking money off the table when you if you sell your family home and move to something else, especially if it's in this area of the world. Having said that, a lot of people envision selling their, you know, large New England home and moving to the Carolinas or Florida and, and which, generally which speaking, that, which that, that, that financially that, works. That usually makes <laughs> yeah. some financial sense, you know, yeah. Yeah, real estate being much less expensive down, yeah, down there uh, yeah. for the most part. But I think, um, yeah, we had somebody else, you know, you just mentioned Situate, somebody just bought a condo in Situate mm -hmm. and it was actually, I think m bigger than their house, oh, okay. uh, but it was a condo, and yeah. so they like you know they like the aspect of not having to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, but there's you know there's condo fees, yeah. and that's something you know that we often you know people don't often not always think about when they're oh, I'm going to buy a condo, it'll be cheaper, you know, smaller, you know, yeah. I don't want to take care of anything. But if you got to pay three, four, five hundred dollars a month to cover that stuff, that that could be an additional cost um, that that they don't currently have. Yeah, and I will. See, I, I guess it, de I think it depends. I've had this conversation many times. People, I think, are sometimes scared of the condo fee or, well, and I, and I understand that because with the condo fee, you can't control it. Even if you get on the board of the condo association, right? You can't, you can't control it oh, necessarily. That like yeah, it does sound like me. Um, but however, most people will have had expenses in their life that they won't have anymore, that the condo fee is essentially replacing. You know, if, if you have someone that plows your driveway or mows your lawn, or you have, you have someone that helps with landscaping, or even just the, the cost of landscaping materials if you're doing your own landscaping. Um, like we get our, our yard sprayed for bugs. You know, these things add up, and those are things that will go away when you move to a condo. But they're all, so may, maybe you're, ex, you're um, housekeeping or uh, home maintenance expenses, or g maybe I'll call that grounds maintenance expenses, maybe they go away, but and they're replaced by a condo fee, um, and it's situationally dependent whether you know which one is bigger than the other. Um, but having so, I guess my point is that don't necessarily be scared of the condo fee. It's not necessarily just an additional expense in your life. It could be replacing things that you won't have anymore. But you can't control it. You yeah. know, like you can yeah. control your own spending habits with regards to, you know, if you're hiring people to help you maintain your property. Um, but you can control that and you can forego that if you need to. And with a condo fee that it is what it is always. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, I mean, to me, the scary part is, or I could see what could be if you're on a, you know, if you're on a, you know, quote unquote fixed income. And, yeah. and so you, and then when you have an expense like that, sure. that you can't control and, yeah. and could, could go up and, uh, and could go up significantly, and um, and or assessments, you know, if yep. you know if they need to replace, you know, you know, roof or siding or whatever it may be, and you yeah. could be, you know, hit with something for that, and you might not be, you might not have it built into your budget, but you should, and that's you know something yep. that you know we always try to build into a little bit of a buffer, right, uh, for people's budgets. There's a lot to be said for control mm. in many aspects of life, Kirk. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let's talk about um, again under the heading of like defining your retirement goals. Just start thinking, if you haven't already, um, one of the, you know, sort of questions that I'll pose to my clients are um, other type of financial goals, often in, in, uh, related to family, I guess I'm going to say, um, related to your intentions for leaving a legacy. 
uh, which just means leaving money to your kids. So people call it leaving a legacy, and if, you know that that can mean many things. But in my world, it's leaving assets to your kids, and some people feel strongly that they. Um, would like to leave a certain amount of assets to their kids, um, and some people. And some people feel strongly some, well, the other way. Well, some people will say, "Well, my kids are better off financially than I am, yeah, and right. I'm not worried about them. They'll right. be fine." Or, or you know, uh, you know, or I've worked really hard. This is my money. I'm going to spend it and enjoy it. And you know, and, and like I said, there's never any judgment on our side of the table. People have different goals and think about things differently. Well, we, want, and we just want to know. We just want to help you plan for that, right? You know, because when we're doing our modeling and our projections, there's sort of a couple ways you can operate and use that software. And and you can, you know, you can bear in mind preservation of capital if someone feels very strongly about leaving assets to their to the next generation. And and you can also plan a little bit differently where it's okay that capital is being spent down as long as it's not spent down too quickly and you don't and you don't outlive it and that's you know we're going to talk about that under the heading of monitor your plan later but um, so that's just your goals with regards to your uh, kids if you have them or nieces and nephews if you don't or charitable organizations um, you know the, that's very helpful for an advisor to know that so that you can help plan bearing in mind depletion of capital, to be quite honest, to use a very technical term, but whether or not your money shrinks and, and whether or not that's okay. Um, I, uh, how much time do we have before the break? Did you set the little timer? Mm, about um, nine minutes. Okay. So in order to, under the heading of getting ready for retirement, this retirement boot camp, number one thing to do, obviously, is define your goals in order to help you create the plan. I think the only... Well, I, I think that sort of the next step in creating your plan is defining where you are now. Um, and this is maybe the easier of the two steps. Actually, part of it is harder. But defining where you are now is, is really the only way to um, project accurately going forward. So, and by, and by defining where you are now, I, I, mean, I mean simply, you know, figure out how much money you have and, and what's earmarked for what. You know, what do you have in retirement plans of different types. What do you have in other investable assets? Maybe you have real estate assets. Sometimes people have you know, investment properties. Maybe they'll continue to hold them and use that as an income stream in retirement, or maybe they're planning to sell them, and, and that's a capital infusion. Um, you know, so quite simply, let's start you know, putting it on paper. What do I have mm -hmm. that you could call that developing a net worth statement? Um, or you could just call it, you know, writing down where my money is. Most people, I, I would hope, most people have a general idea of how much money they have and what their net worth is. I don't know. <laughs> it depends. Or yeah. sometimes people are kind of like, oh, I forgot about this chunk and this chunk. And, right. Yeah. So going um, through this exercise is, yeah. Yeah. It, it uncovers a lot. Right. And I think so. That's important in and of itself, just because you kind of need to know what you're working with in order to determine if it's um, enough to support your income needs for the rest of your life. But also it leads into the discussion regarding how should I be positioned from an investment point of view. Um, and you know, many people that we meet just haven't paid much attention to how their assets are invested. They don't know, or somebody told them a long time ago to do this and they never looked again. People, and are, people are busy, yeah, and they just kind of forget about it. Yeah, so if you if you you know, if you don't have an advisor that's that's helping you with this stuff, you know, just getting a handle on 
where am I now with regards to the total value, but also with regards to how am I invested from a risk point of view? Yeah. How are you positioned? Um, you know, what's my stock bond ratio? Am I invested in individual stocks or am I more diversified? Um, and you know, you, your your stock bond ratio mm -hmm. is is determined by um, how much time before you need the assets, but also your comfort level with risk in the financial markets. I mean, I, you know, I, I could meet someone who's 50 and they don't need their money for 15 years, but if they're, you know, worried about the financial markets just because they always have been, or lately it's because of the, of the political environment in the United States. And, um, you know, if they're just people that are worried about that, and even, even though they have a long time horizon before they need money and they could be aggressive, in my mind, if, if they were comfortable, they might not want to be that aggressive because um, they're just worried about stuff. And, and that's okay. We will always defer to um, our client's comfort level with risk. And, you know, as advisors, certainly you never want to put anyone in a portfolio that's that's too aggressive and because you never want someone to make a bad decision in a poor market. Um, so that, that, you know, sort of one of the, the things we do as advisors is, you know, make a recommendation based on what I think is suitable in general, but let's talk about your comfort level and how are you gonna feel if, you know, you see a downward fluctuation of this percent or this many dollars and let's make sure we're fitting you into something that's, um, that's not going to make you panic too much. It, you know, it, it's completely normal for people to panic in a, in a downturn in the financial markets, but you want to avoid panicking so much that you're, that you're selling your securities when they're down in value and, and purchasing them back when they're more expensive. That's, that's not behavior you want to get into. So, um, so again, itemization of or not, or, or, you know, determining where you are now, what do I have? How is it invested? Is it appropriate given my age? Is it appropriate given my comfort level? And I guess I would say like the flip side of that is sometimes we meet people that are that are too conservative. You know, it's well. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned you know sometimes people you know they set up their accounts or their investments a long time ago when they're younger and then they just kind of forget about it. And if you know if they're doing it on their own and then yes, yeah, so sometimes maybe it's too risky as they get close to retirement. Yeah. But then sometimes I'll come across people that have forgotten about an account or two and it's not invested at all. Yeah. Um, and just because, they, again, they forget about it, you know, yeah. maybe they meant to do something with it and they just never got around to it. And so I'll say, do you know that this account is all in cash? You yeah. know, or it's all in a money market or, or something like that. And they'll be like, nope. And uh, I'll say, well, should we do something about that? It's like the worst that? decade to not be, to have money sitting and, in cash you know, so, also. Yeah, and sometimes it's been, it's been years and they just kind yeah. of forgot about it. And, um, so again, another reason why this is just a good exercise to go through is to see what you've got and, and put it down on paper. Yeah. Um, last sort of component of what you need to do to make the plan. Um, so we talked about defining goals, financial and otherwise, defining where you are now in terms of what your assets are. Um, but also just, we have to touch on it. What are your expenses? Oh boy. It's like the old, like nobody wants to go through this exercise. Um, it's a real pain, but you cannot make a, um, you can't accurately project going forward. You cannot make an accurate financial plan without accurate itemization. I'm gonna call it itemization of expenses. I'm not gonna call it budget. You really, you we need an accurate, to the extent possible, 
itemization of where people's money is being spent because everyone's life is different. Everyone has a different, you know, mortgage payment, you know, housing upkeep expenditures. Everyone spends different amounts dining out, dining in, uh, traveling. You know, everybody is different and people spend money on what they value, at least I hope so anyway. That's what I teach the high school kids when we, when we do the money fair. You know, you should be spending money on what you value in life. So everybody's different and, you know, we can't help people. I can make a, we can make a guess based on what people are making for income, what they're spending every month. Yeah, take out their taxes, take yeah. out their investments, uh, you know, whatever they're putting in their retirement. Yeah. But yeah, like if you don't have the item, the, the itemization, then I mean, if they've got kids, I mean, that's an expense that, you know, goes away, hopefully yeah. at some point. Uh, you know, if there's college in there, healthcare changes, yeah, yeah. It, you need to have the, yeah. some details. Um, it's, again, like, like you were saying, we can make a guess at what the number is and you can do kind of a rough projection based on that. And quite honestly, that's what, that's what I do with my younger clients because it doesn't make sense to get into a whole lot of detail regarding expenditures because things change so much in 10, 20, 30, 40 years <laughs> until they're going to retire. But for people, but because this is retirement boot camp, so we're talking about people that are closer to retirement and that this is crunch time here. Crunch, get it? Yeah. Pun intended, get uh, it? Yeah. Um, we're talking about, you know, getting more detailed. You, you, when you're four or five years from retirement or less, you should be projecting in a pretty detailed way. So that means not just making a guess at what your expenditures are, but really itemizing them because things will change. Your healthcare line item will probably change at retirement. You might not be through your employer anymore. You'll be on Medicare. Um, like you mentioned, your kid-related expenses, if you still have kids that are financially dependent on you. Or on your healthcare. Hopefully, or on your healthcare, that's right. Hopefully those dwindle over time. Maybe they don't go away, but maybe they, they um, lessen over time. Um, and then other expenses like um, hobbies and travel, like we talked about earlier, for a lot of people, those increase in retirement. So if you have an itemization, you can make modifications to each one of those and try to more accurately project um, what, what it's, what it's going to look like financially in your future. And that's how we approach creating a financial plan. So, um, all right, we probably just have a few minutes and then we should take yeah. a break. What we are talking about, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're talking this is about- a good time. Okay. Um, I'm joined by my husband, Kirk Reed, this morning, and we're talking about retirement boot camp, excuse me, getting in shape for retirement. So we're really talking to people that are um, getting very serious, getting very close to retirement and the things you need to be thinking about and doing um, in order to get ready for that. So we sort of broke this down into a few sections. We talked about making the plan or at least thinking about making the plan in that segment and we want to um, take a quick break and then we're going to talk about um, identifying the steps to take in order to start implementing that that plan that you hopefully just created or you're about to create so we're going to take a quick break i'll be right back <laughs> 